Right now, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next story of the day. We've got John Kingston joining us to talk again about another lawsuit in the space. John, thank you for joining us. We've got some news from a TFI subsidiary that's been hit with a lawsuit about harassment. Can you tell us about what's going on? Yeah, in one minute, I just want to mention that the Chiefs are playing the Jets this Sunday, Sunday night, and I'm going. So Taylor and I are having dinner beforehand. So, you know, I'll report back to you the following day, okay? I love that. But given love that, that. The- Top story on FreightWaves.com. Given <laughs> that they're playing the Jets, there might be a lot of opportunity for her to celebrate. Anyway, yeah, let's let's talk about something that's a lot uh, less amusing, which is this lawsuit. The lawsuit was filed by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, and was filed against two companies that are related, TA Dedicated, uh, which is a dedicated truckload carrier, and T-Force TL Holdings, which is an LTL carrier, and both of these are subsidiaries of the TFI conglomerate. It is not enjoyable reading. I mean, it, it is the, case, the the situation here is that there were two gay mechanics who were hired hired separately into the North Jackson, Ohio maintenance facility of, of these companies. And according to the lawsuit, which granted is is you know just one side of the of, of the argument or one side of the the, the case. Um, they were subjected to really awful harassment, uh, you know, all sorts of name calling, which I didn't put in the story. And I'm not going to say here, but you can imagine what it was um, uh, messing with their tools and their cl- and their uniforms and, you know, just real serious hatred uh, to which they took to HR. Uh, and quite frankly, according to them, got really nowhere. Uh, both of them were ultimately fired. One of them quit and then was fired in, in, during his two weeks notice. Um, the other was just outright uh, outright fired. And um, they made complaints with the EEOC. The EEOC took it up with the companies. Usually mm-hmm. they, you know, they'll work with a company and they'll try to come up with some sort of settlement in which the company admits wrongdoing or talks about how it will make things right, et cetera. They failed to do so. That's in the lawsuit that they did talk and they failed to do so. And so <clears throat> they're going to a federal district court uh, for the Northern District of Ohio. And um, you know, the thing is, the, the, the other side of it, the, the trucking company side of it, really won't get into too much detail. When, the, when, the, when they file their responding documents, it'll probably say this company denies, you know, the company denies charge one, the company denies charge two. They don't go into detail and say, no, that's not what happened. But, you know, look, even if this stuff is 75 percent accurate, even if the, the two individuals embellish some of it in their discussions with the EEOC, it's pretty ugly. And uh, it's, I think, you know, Kaylee and, and, and Anthony, we work for a company where if somebody did this, they'd be out on their keister in about five minutes. And uh, it's kind of staggering to know that this stuff still goes on. Um, so it's, it was not a pleasant story to write. Definitely awful to hear about, John. And when we're looking at this story, are there any indicators or potentials that this is uh, part of a bigger thing going on? And maybe there's been a history of this going on at the company? Or is this really just an isolated incident that happened, unfortunately, to these two and really a sign of, again, unfortunate activity happening there? No, they, they, they have nothing about what happened previously. I do. And then this is me just speculating. Uh, I wonder if the failure to reach an agreement with the EEOC was really a decision that was made by TFI. You know, TFI is a conglomerate with lots and lots of trucking companies. I don't know what their stance is on these sort of activities. Uh, I did write them. Their their uh, their attorney uh, their attorney's name and email was listed in the uh, in the documents, and I wrote her. I did not get a response. But you wonder if was this a decision made on the local level to 
uh, not meet, reach an agreement with the EEOC and then risk the lawsuit, which of course happened? Or was this a decision made up at the corporate TFI level uh, and then extended down into uh, into the subsidiary? So we don't know that, but I think that anytime you're dealing with a company that is a subsidiary of a large uh, conglomerate like this, mm-hmm. you have to figure out that you know how a company deals with this sort of personnel action is probably a uniform policy. I don't think um, it's usually not the case that a company will want, well, this subsidiary would approach it like this and that subsidiary would approach it like that. I think they tend to be uniform. So it would not be surprising to me if TFI HR and TFI legal uh, was involved here in the decision to not reach an agreement with the EEOC and then again, run the risk of the lawsuit. And then we'll, you know, we'll see how they respond. So, John, of course, sexual orientation is a federally protected designation in the United States. Could we be looking now at local, at state, and at federal penalties for TFI if this comes down on the side of the EEOC? Uh, well, of course, you know, if you put the penalties against uh, if you put the penalties against TA Holdings or TA Dedicated and T Force Holdings, they're 100 percent owned by TFI. So, effectively, the 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 penalty is against TFI. I don't know that you'd go after TFI separately. I mean, the employer were the employer was TA and T Force. Um, so, but you know, by extension, that extends up to TFI. And John, do we have a timeline so far? How everything is going to be playing out? No, you know, look, I've written plenty of stories about lawsuits involving personnel and that sort of thing, where the original case gets filed in you know 2016. And it's finally adjudicated in 2023. Now, granted, you had a pandemic in the middle of that that probably extended a lot of the litigation. Uh, hopefully we won't have that. But, you know, this is probably not going to come to quick resolution because if it was going to come to a quick resolution, you would have thought that it would have happened in the EEOC uh, TA, um, TA negotiations, which obviously ended in no deal. So uh, a quick settlement here, I would think, is unlikely. It's definitely an unfortunate story, John, and hopefully we see the right decision come down as this litigation goes on. Before we let you go really quickly, we talked a little bit about diesel so far this morning in our headlines, but give us kind of your thoughts. We finally see a downturn in the benchmark price after I think it was 11 consecutive weeks of upticks, right? Yeah, 11 consecutive. Well, I think there was one week when it did nothing. It was zero change. and or, uh, One week it did nothing, 11 weeks of, of, of increases. Um, I'm kind of of two minds this morning because I was just looking at the physical spreads. Now, look, the, the price of futures is down like 22 cents in just like two weeks. Um, and that's significant. So I think for now, we may have had a, a, a decrease in the price. We, then right now, we may have had, had our peak in diesel. This morning, I was looking at physical spreads. This is when when traders trade spot quantities of, of diesel, whether it's on a pipeline quantity or a barge, and they trade it as a differential to that CME diesel's price. That actually, for all the talk about rising diesel, that price was staying, those premiums were not going up. And uh, they started to go up over the last couple of days. We get data from DTN Energy, uh, and most of those were showing some strength. Now, that could be a reflection of the fact that with the outright price falling, that the uh, that the spread rose sort of in reaction. That sometimes can happen. But that kind of concerns me, too, like that the physical spreads, which had been relatively calm, now suddenly aren't all that calm. Um, and, you know, look, there, the, the one point I made in the story yesterday is that everybody was talking about maintenance season, maintenance season. Well, maintenance season runs September, October, maybe into November. We've already got one month kind of under our belt. 
And um, and this was the point that Energy Aspects was making in its monthly report, which they happened to send out yesterday, is that come November, you're probably going to see a significant increase in refinery runs, which should give a, a you know a little bit of supply boost to the diesel market. So, um, you know, we're kind of at an inflection point here. We've got some physical indicators showing strength. Uh, we've got the outright price falling. We've got maintenance season, you know, like I said, halfway in the books. Um, where are we going from here? Not really sure. John, definitely looking forward to hearing from you again throughout the week, especially on Friday with your next episode of Drilling Deep. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with our next carrier update right after this.